You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I am the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a music PR firm. Here at Music Tectonics, we go beneath the surface to understand all the interesting ways that the music industry is changing thanks to innovation and technology. We look at the seismic shifts. And in fact, we have identified several seismic shifts that we think are changing things in a huge way in the music industry. And we'd like to share one of those with you right now. And by we, I mean me and Tristra Newyear Jaeger. Hello. Tristra's the writer strategist at Rock, Paper, Scissors and a regular co-host of Music Tectonics, the podcast. And today we're going to talk about music like fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's been lots of talk about music like water I was looking this up because we're going to call Music Like Water one of our seismic shifts as well at Music Tectonics. And the first sighting I could see of it was David Bowie in the New York Times in 2002. They did a feature on him, and he used the phrase. And uh, he also said, things are about to change so much, and you better enjoy it now. Right now, all you can do is play live. That's all there is. And he actually predicted that copyright would go away and... Uh, that there'd be no value in recorded music. But um, Dave Kusek and Gerd Leonard put out a book, and they also talked about music like water. So we'll talk about that in various other blog posts and podcasts. But this is music like fire. The idea with music like water is it's like a utility. You pay a monthly fee, and you get all access, and it kind of changes people's relationships with music as a result, too. But the idea with music like fire is that music is contagious, and it's going everywhere. It's spreading like wildfire. And it can actually up the excitement level of a whole range of activities and products in a way that nothing else can. So it's a it's more than just a minor enhancement. It can completely change the context and um, uses of different objects and <laughs> different different ways of that's, learning and that kind that's of thing. right yeah like Trisha and i have talked about this on on music tectonics before that we think music as one of the first augmented reality experiences if you go back pre-tech uh, stuff we're talking what did you do you gather around the fire and you make music and you change your sense of reality with music rhythm melody trance and so forth so uh it's not weird to us that music is now playing this role in augmented reality as uh, capital augmented reality. <laughs> um, but as digital recorded music has matured, uh, music is showing up in more and more places, more experiences, different fields and industries, uh, silos in the past that didn't really have music. Maybe it's because the recorded sound is so transferable in digital form. And maybe it's also just shifts in culture and society where people... Um, have access to the tools of listening to it, but also uh, are just interested in having a soundtrack to a lot of different experiences or using music in ways that couldn't be done before when you had to lug around a, a CD player or something. It's, it's interesting to think about music's presence in our lives as a soundtrack, as a, as a, per, a soundtrack to in our inner world, so to speak, and how in some ways we move from radio and people listening to radio in very intimate situations like in your room at night or something like that to um you know wider different more portable versions of of music like cassettes um and then you think about the walkman and what a big change that was in the way we perceive 
our lived reality plus a musical soundtrack and how you can completely shift the way you feel by listening to a different cassette. So um, for those of us of the generate the Walkman, the first Walkman generation or second Walkman generations, you start to really understand how music can change your perception and improve your reality. I think that's such a great point that I don't think gets talked about much in the music industry anymore. But the people think about the mobile phone as mobile. Everyone talks about mobile, mobile. But the Walkman was really like, I mean, first the boombox. If you had big enough shoulders, you could, <laughs> you could bring, the, bring the music with you. Um, obviously, there were other cassette players too. But, but the Walkman turned it into a, um, a cultural phenomenon where people, that, that became part of the way of life. It wasn't an exception. Oh, let's bring some music to the beach. It was like people were walking around the streets uh, or riding the subway or whatever wearing up going jogging that's what I always picture is people with their white socks pulled all the way up and their Walkman on <laughs> well I I just remember as a teenager just wandering for hours listening to the music that I had dubbed onto cassettes sorry major labels and rights holders oh no that's okay because the cassette companies used to have to pay oh that's true they paid a licensing a fee, a fee so it was all it was all good so I was I remember just walking around and and um you know being able to kind of center myself emotionally because I was moving and listening to music and that really brings us into some of the topics that you wanted to discuss today, Dimitri. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I mean, we can talk about mobility and music like fire is a result of mobility, but what we sort of were thinking was, was thinking about where are the places in life where we start, start, we're starting to see music pop up more and more, um, to, to explore this idea as music like fire. It's good. It's kind of a good springboard for thinking about where music technology can go uh, where licensing and new uses of music could go um, as we watch this pattern continue to unfold, unfold. I think one of my real conscious um, thoughts about this as a revenue stream, as a, as a music use, a licensing opportunity, was really in TV. I mean, you, you know, we grew up with films where music played a role. Obviously, licensing was happening before I knew what licensing was. I, I remember the, the movie Pretty in Pink was a, a big one for new waivers because, because of the music Absolutely. that was used there and the identity or the breakfast club those those movies yes. but um but i i i feel like um you know, uh, I started to hear about TV and music, which increased the pace of sync and, and the use of music and film and TV with Beverly Hills 90210. Then the OC was a big one where indie rock was really getting exposed through mainstream television. And then as you move into the Netflix era, uh, the, the TV show Weeds popped up with some really cool uh, Latin rock. And, uh, and even to take it back a step, I mean, I remember in the early, the early internet era where a lot of the cable shows on on channels like MTV would and Nickelodeon Comedy Central would license um, would license a lot of independent artists um, thanks to sort of groundbreaking uh, distribution at the time that they that the distributors would sort of feed these independent artists to music supervisors and showrunners in a way that um, brought just it made it normal to like not recognize a track from the radio or not know the artist who was playing on your cable show but be like oh this is cool um, and, I, and at the time, I, the, you couldn't really connect the dots the way you can now via the internet or Shazam, et cetera. But um, I, that was already a thing. I remember people getting licenses from my acquaintances and, and you know, getting a little bit of money and a lot of glory. I mean, just the <laughs> fact that you brought up MTV and VH1 and yeah. in terms of music like Fire, that, exactly. was, that was, you're right, that was a, a moment in itself. Um, so I mentioned some earlier shows, um, but now like with Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, 
it seems like the whole culture of TV has changed. There's a lot more independently minded TV shows. And as a result, a lot more cultural diversity and musical perspectives. And, and just it seems like there's a lot of licensing and curation and, and curiosity and discovery happening through TV and, and of course, film as well. So, I mean, it, it, so the pace, I think, of this type of stuff is accelerating. I don't want to spend too much time on film and TV, but, you know, if you look at shows like Silicon Valley or Insecure, Atlanta, Nashville, it goes on and on with these shows that music plays this new type of role. It's not just a soundtrack. It's not the background. It almost makes a point or it becomes a character. That's a really good point. And I think part of it is uh, because uh, video streaming services have so much data and they are so they're becoming in some ways very targeted and maybe not personalized but scenified um, so they can really reach out to a particular group of people with a very specific aesthetic and get it and hit the nail on the head so they know kind of how to manage that musical context really really well because they do get so much information about their users where before tv had to kind of you know, strike the the middle ground and kind of you know it would it would be a very unusual decision to go totally left field, um, but for a lot of these peak TV dramas and or you know um, exclusives for these uh, over the top video streamers, it is it's fine to totally throw an oddball thing in there and see what happens. It's a different different approach to to using music and and engaging audiences. So one little statistic that I looked up in advance here in the years the shift from 2013 to 2014 according to the RIAA report I guess in 2015 sync was flat from 2013 to 2014 then skipping ahead from this, their report last year the the shift from 2017 to 2018 it grew by 23 percent wow which is a pretty huge huge jump yeah. now sync is only a small portion of the music industry revenues i think it's in the it's it's in the below five percent range of the total total revenues um but it's still i mean that's still a significant bump and and it, it's just evidence that what we're saying it's true, at least <laughs> <laughs> by one measure. QED. Anyway. <laughs> yes. So another moment in time that's similar is seeing music in gaming. And the first thing that I remember seeing, and you know, there's been music in, in video games from, from pretty much the beginning, but it was a specific type of music <laughs> at one point. But Guitar Hero and Rock Band, I think, all of a sudden made this very clear connection between music and gaming. Yeah, and that music music could become a game, or um, there was a, there was a game to be found in music and in the joys of of pretending you were making music or actually making music. And 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 we didn't even have this on our list, but the the whole uh, interaction with music karaoke is not that far off from those games either. So absolutely, yeah. So so there's that whole world as well. Um, so video gaming, uh, uh, I, I would say a next level interaction was Grand Theft Auto has radio stations built into the car so you can actually choose your playlist. There's another, it's another type of almost like native interactivity within the game. It's like mm -hmm. you're, you're role playing as if you're playing Spotify. I had no idea that you played GTA to be true, but Lord, <laughs> 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 so you learn something new about, uh, about your CEO every day. And, well, while we're at it, Saints Row 2 lets you make mixtapes within the game as well. So there's this. You know, again, it's like recreating some of these musical experiences in these fields, these spheres that you, you uh, hadn't seen, didn't exist before. The the FIFA game series have had artists like uh, the Black Keys, Lord Avicii have been featured within those games. So that, then you have these brand name artists that are in the mix as well, where that becomes part of the experience, almost like a virtual 
interaction, you know, as opposed to going to a concert, not that you're seeing a concert there, but that, you know, it feels like they're part of that experience. Ah, but you will see it. You, you, we have seen the first instance of actual concerts and festivals being held in games like Fortnite um, with Marshmallow. And um, there's been a couple other little events here and there. So this is clear. And this is clearly a model that people would love to imitate because it was wildly successful, probably because it was the first, but it could become a thing um, because these games are so ridiculously popular. And um, at the same time, you know, people are looking for novelty within these gaming environments and want to explore something new. So, um, yeah, they, I think they were saying 10 million virtual people stopped by that marshmallow <laughs> concert in Fortnite. 10 million people in a in this yeah. virtual festival. And there were some great metrics that I read about in a Verge article. Um, marshmallow saw 62,000 follower increase on Twitter, um, 5,200 growth on Twitch. Um, and uh, yeah, so there, there were all sorts of uh, results, you know, that, that demonstrated that that's something people are going to try to <laughs> probably repeat. And the interesting thing, is, you know, uh, apropos Twitch is if you think about really like popular um, Twitch stars like Ninja, uh, you know, he launched his own record label. So there's an intersection between music and the, the music and the gaming worlds that's not always, um, you know, often people think of it as like gaming dominant, like the game model is the one that's going to rule the day. But um, also the, the music industry models are coming more and more into play for folks in the gaming and live streaming spaces. So and not, as well as, um, of course, musicians investing in esports. That's been like it feels like every other week. It's like some uh, some pop or or, or hip hop uh, mogul decides to put a bunch of money behind an esport league. So there's a lot of really interesting and unusual interactions that's just started to happen in that in the intersection of those spaces. Right. Um, and you know, since Twitch does have this relationship between both gaming and music starting to see more and more interest from the music world in Twitch, obviously with licensing and potential revenue op opportunities there, but also Twitch has artists who are performing live um, as well alongside these gamers. Um, they've got their own performing arts and music channel in Twitch where you can see who happens to be doing live streams of concerts. And we had uh, Karen Allen on episode, our April 25th, 2019 episode that uh, did a great job explaining on the Music Tectonics podcast how artists can use Twitch and what's unique about this live streaming experience that does have some gamification elements within the, the streams too. Um, so so there's other gaming things that are emerging too. There's some bra the brand new field of VR, which if AR and VR feel like they're just ripe for all sorts of interesting, um, bizarre <laughs> games and other activities and experiences that involve music um one that has been the most successful so far is the vr rhythm game beat saber and the interesting thing again with the industry tie-in is uh individual artists can create packs within this game so you can really go after you know you it's a way of engaging fans as well as having a really fun time um i haven't actually gotten a chance to play it but it looks pretty it actually looks like something that would be pretty addictive kind of like uh what was the um like parappa the rapper or you know one of those games where you really could get into it and get you know or, or the dance dance um revolution All right. where you really get really actively into it because you're it's almost like a full body experience so yeah. um it can be those things I think I think that the VR space is where we're going to see a lot of really fun, crazy attempts at, at, at you know, just trying new things because it's 
there's a there's a lot of possibility there. So another moment in time that more recently than any of the stuff we've uh, started off with in each of these silos is when Turntable.fm was at its height. This was a web-based social platform where you could take on an avatar for dancing <laughs> um, and showing up at a DJ concert, but the DJs were other users, usually people you knew. And so you could create a room and you could become a DJ. There were two ways to do it. You could either lock the DJ as who, you know, you say, it's my room, I'm the DJ, or you can make it where people kind of queue up to be DJs. Um, and it was very viral. Part of it was it was listening to music for free. This was before people were using Spotify to log into other listening apps. Um, but I, the reason I bring it up is because I was um, working on StoryAmp, my music tech startup, at an accelerator called Sproutbox. And so there were other startups there. There were s developers that we shared, and there were you know leadership in the room. And everyone was using turntable. They were taking turns. We were listening to music together at a workplace. So this is the next category that I, I think of with music like fire is people listening to music together in workplaces in ways that didn't exist before. You could turn on the radio at best. Usually um, it didn't seem, I mean, we've always had uh, CD players in the office and record players and things. So we've, I remember at one point we had a 200 disc changer and we just loaded up and just keep, oh, yeah. <laughs> keep oh, listening. Yeah. Um, but, um, but turntable was interesting to see that now we have Sonos and, and there's even Sonos has blog posts about what's the etiquette of listening to music together at work, <laughs> you know, like listen, to each other and trying to add something to the queue based on what somebody else has played and you know don't just skip somebody's tracks all the time <laughs> do not troll <laughs> with the uh it depends on how how playful your your co-workers are though i have to admit we also have um vinyl in our office so it's really fun for people to bring in examples from their record collection old and new and uh it's great to hear one co-worker yell to the other hey could you you know turn it over so um it's it's fun how the the technology has actually brought older formats into new contexts and made it appropriate to say have an LP at work and be like I'm gonna play you this. <laughs> well, and since we have multiple Sonos speakers, we can group them together and we can actually listen to vinyl across different offices and and things like that together. But um, Paul O'Brien from MediaTek Ventures commented on my LinkedIn post because I I did a little bit of uh, crowdsourcing for some of the ideas for today's podcast, um, asking about what are interesting ways that um, um, music is getting used, new places, new uses of it. And he talked about um, following some of the research around co-working and collaborative playlists and, and some of the research being done about how that impa impacts office culture or productivity. I wasn't able to dig up a particular article, so I don't have any points to make about whether it does <laughs> it's a or, thing. It's a thing. <laughs> does or doesn't increase. But again, it's the reason people are talking about it is because you can now do it in ways that you couldn't do before. This collaborative playlist thing is a pretty intriguing thing. We actually have yoga in the office on Fridays, and I put on you know yoga playlists in the office while we're doing uh, yoga so and if you have multi-generational offices if you have people from different backgrounds it can be a great way to both find what you have in common and to find out new to find new music and my younger colleagues have introduced me to stuff that I just hadn't bothered to listen to because I'm a curmudgeon um, and you know I've introduced them to stuff that they hadn't heard about but or had just heard about and hadn't hadn't had a chance to listen to so it's an awesome way to bridge um, differences in the office and find out what you really have in common and also um, what you don't have in common. <laughs> but <laughs> most, of, most of the time we have a peaceful and a fun collaborative kind of vibe to our listening. So, 
and you know, Paul O'Brien also mentioned that the one thing that he he uh, mentioned was the that Slack has a Spotify integration, which I just posted in our Slack. We haven't dangerous. used that. It's it gonna does get seem dangerous. A little dangerous <laughs> because at least at least with Sonos, it has to be people who are clever enough to download the Sonos app. <laughs> Once it's in Slack, it's gonna be as uh, sticky as Giphy. <laughs> exactly, it's all over. So anyway, just a couple of examples, but you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll see more and more stuff emerging around workplaces. Um, I may uh, jump down to uh, brand experiences because it's kind of related in a way because in venue, in store, music is a whole other category. And again, I see these sort of cultural pivot moments. And I remember recognizing that Starbucks was, you know, not only became sticky for for bringing back the whole idea of coffee house culture cafe culture but music was always a part of what they did and in the early days um you know you'd see cds on the on the counters and they were very carefully curating i don't know if they started a record label whether they had a retail component where they were very carefully curating it could make a huge difference you know labels and artists were pitching getting into this kind of the starbucks channel and um i was curious what's going on with starbucks so i looked it up and now I guess the Starbucks Rewards app, you can see what's, pl- if you have location services turned on on your phone, you can see what's playing in your uh, Starbucks location at any given time. Um, but uh, it's just interesting to think about how that music has been such a strong part of their brand. Uh, and then you look at certain hotels like Soho House, somebody is a curator for, for not so, uh, well, so yeah, Soho House or um, The Standard, some of those places, they have curators for their uh, for their hotel playlists. I mean, I'm sure everyone does now, but if you go into the sta- one of the standard hotels, you often realize what a significant role that playlist plays and what your experience is like at that hotel. And uh, I, I, we were sharing an article earlier that uh, pointed to a recent deal that you know, sort of W Hotels announced that the sort of boutique hotel chain announced that they have a record label. Um, and I think that's a fascinating new development I've seen across a bunch of different, really varied brands. Like the most recent one was Build-A-Bear. I think, I think Billboard just covered that deal. Those, the of, you, is lo- those of you who aren't parents, um, Build-A-Bear workshop, you might see it in a shopping mall. <laughs> it's where you go and you pick out the skin of the bear you want and the stuffing you want and the accessories and you watch them build the teddy bear. And now they have a record label. Yeah, I think this points to, again, this 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 industry model um, that seems to not fit into the digital world, but actually has its place, whether we're talking about Ninja or Build-A-Bear, um, <laughs> as a as sort of a, a curated channel where you kind of know what to expect. Um, it's, it's delivered in, in easy packages. And at the same time, it makes your brand identity way stickier. Um, and that's one of the magic of the magic things about music is that it, it does tend to be retained and it sort of ch- it, it's processed very differently from other kinds of information. Um, and so it, it's not surprising that people are launching, um, you know, or, or have music initiatives, even if a, a record label may seem a little a little far fetched for some of these models. But I guess we'll just have to see how Build-A-Bear does. <laughs> Who's well, gonna, who are they going to sign? That's what I want to know. Well, we'll see if they last as long as Red Bull did with their music initiatives, which I think yeah. got, uh, are, I don't know if they got shut down completely, but they at least pulled the plug pulled on it, it this year, yeah. which is a shame because uh, so many emerging artists and so many other projects kind of spun off that. So they, they made a huge impact on certain genres and scenes. And, and it's it's kind of it, almost to the point where, and this is maybe why they pulled the plug, that the Red Bull brand became invisible and the 
uh, musical identities seem to kind of overwhelm it. So maybe that's one of the perils of these music initiatives is the music itself can be stickier than your product. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously there've been brands that have been associating themselves with music and so forth. But when you look at the diversity of, of the types of brands and the, the, the rate of increase and the, the wildfire um, contagion of music with brands now, it seems like uh, there's, there's growth there as well. And uh, it, it points to different locations. So we've talked about we've talked about film and TV and gaming and workplaces and brands, and we could go on and on about brands. But we really want to just talk about all the different ways in which fire is ex- or music music is expanding <laughs> like fire into other places, and take something as banal as transportation. Uber did an integration with Pandora. I think before that it, they had done with, with Spotify. I think Spotify pulled out when Uber was having its controversies. But um, but just the idea that from within your Uber app, you can control the music in the car of this driver. Here's this driver who owns this car driving you around. Wow. And now you're going to ch- change their music, which I don't blame you. I mean, <laughs> I've been in some Uber cars <laughs> where I'm like, you got to change the music or turn it off at least, you know. Um, but it's interesting to think about you know, we've, we talked about mobility with Walkman and obviously smartphones and so forth, but there's also this other type of mobility, this experience of traveling in a car and, um, and, uh, Apple music recently, uh, announced that the, you could access the music streaming from Apple on American airlines, Wi-Fi for free soon. So another interesting location to, you know, I remember when there were those listening lists within the, uh, within the console in your seat and uh, a little playlist inside the magazine and people, I mean, we've, as a PR firm, we've pitched trying to get artists onto those as well. But it's interesting now that, um, that Apple music streaming carries on to American airlines as well. And Spotify also announced that it was testing something called car thing, which is a, a car smart assistant as well. So it's just interesting to see music. I mean, obviously with transportation, with cars, radio has been there forever and obviously cassettes and CDs and eight tracks. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, but, the, but now with the, um, with the advent of voice search with, a lot of we're not obviously we're not at self-driving cars yet, but a lot of the driving tasks are being automated slowly but surely, um, and I'm sure we're going to see more and more cars that maybe aren't self-driving but require less um, intensive driver attention. And so music is is perfect for that scenario where you you know you can't really watch a television show uh, while you're while you're driving a car, but you can have a more engaged listening experience and yell at your phone or, or your car that you want to listen not to that song, but to that song, or I want something more upbeat, or there's a, there, it's going to be really, really interesting as contextual search, as voice search matures, um, how in audio, uh, I mean, sorry, excuse me, in auto uh, entertainment, in car entertainment, becomes much more well, I mean, rich. I, I also think you you pulled out this the self-driving car that's it's, it's going to happen at some point. It's bound to happen. There's going to be some change in how people get around and there's a good chance that people aren't going to be focused on uh, the windshield and uh, it'd be cur- you know, it, it it would be good to be thinking about how music engagement will change once people get their eyeballs back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh um, Some of but, us haven't been paying attention to the road for that's, years. That's but, uh, um, I, I always wonder with the um, you know the laws about texting and, and calling and so forth. You're allowed to eat a burger while you drive, or have a child in the back seat. For again, sorry, sorry for those of you who aren't parents. They're and strapped in though. Yeah. So, so, um, so we got transportation. Um, 
how about health? I, I had posted something on my Facebook page about um, health specifically because I was curious what kind of um, music uses people are seeing coming out of that. And the first one that came up was from uh, um, somebody in the, the, the birthing world saying music therapy in the NICU. Uh, neo-intensive care unit. I've seen it stabilize really sick babies. Also, the music therapists create original music pieces incorporating recordings of babies' heartbeats for parents. It's beautiful. That is really, really amazing. And um, yeah, I, I mean, they, they've done, I think they have, there have been a, there's been a lot of research into music and its effect on um, healing, its effect on um, just basically the, our physiology. And it, it when when done right, it can be very very positive and contribute to better healthcare outcomes. So it's cool to hear about little preemies getting getting to hear their first uh, their first beats. <laughs> and uh, Brian Mansfield, who we know from his USA Today music critic writing days, wrote about music therapy for Alzheimer's patient patients, which uses the music of their youth to reconnect with rarely tapped memory centers. There used to be an organization called Music and Memory that helped nursing homes with programs. Not sure what's happened to those programs since it folded. Using that concept, I created my last great memory with my grandmother, playing her big band music from the 30s and 40s as we drove through the countryside in a convertible. It was the first time <laughs> awesome. in years that I saw the woman I remembered. Aww. And then he he and others also mentioned this documentary called Alive Inside that tells, I think, the story of the, the way music is used with Alzheimer's and somebody else brought up the um, there's a Parkinson's um, choir for those suffering from Parkinson's disease that also is playing a role there and it's also at end-of-life care um, music is often used in hospice to uh, both not not just for the the patient who is preparing for death but also to soothe family and bring everyone together and and create those moments much like with memory care and uh, we actually got a ton of health health things. Uh, Luann uh, Williams from Austin, Texas, many of you know from the music tech world, uh, pointed out a company called Lucid that has these multi-sensory wellness stations. So, you, you know, to help with anxiety and stress, you actually sit in this station and it gives you, I think, both light and, and music and sound, nice. multi-sensory. Um, our friend David Dax, um, great Canadian uh, music journalist and uh, DJ, DJ uh, pointed out uh, something called adaptive use musical instruments and also a virtual music instrument, um, bringing more uh, accessibility for people to experience the making of music and interacting with music for um, therapeutic reasons as well. You know, we could get into music for sleep and meditation, obviously, as well. So anyway, I think the health center uh, is a is a is a key one for the growth of music like fire, which is not that far off from education. Um, obviously, music classes are n not anything new, but using music to teach things other than music is interesting. Uh, we came across a company called Study Tracks at Meetem a couple of years at the Meetem Lab, which used um, urban music, used the lyrics to teach math and science concepts. So instead of having to read a textbook, you could actually just put on a song, learn the song, and then you, and then you get to learn the concepts and memorize them that way. Yeah, I've, I've heard of several initiatives that do something similar, um, but for coding for young people so that they can learn some principles of computer science via um, fun tracks. And that's, it, you know, it kind of goes back to the schoolhouse rock 
days, but um, I think there's a lot of projects that have gotten way more sophisticated. No, not knocking Schoolhouse Rocks because they're really no, fun. It was great. <laughs> you know, I, I, you can just everyone knows about conjunctions who are of a certain age um, because of that. But at the you know, I think there's a lot of different applications for because again, you add music to a text, and all of a sudden it gets lodged in your brain in a different way. And then one more in this cat category of education is Mila, M-I-L-A, Mila-learn.com. Uh, Matilda New, who some of you might know, uh, brings over the music tech contingent from France, pointed this one out. And uh, it's actually to help um, kids with learning disabilities um, using music f with some cognitive gaming, musical therapy, and uh, help learn how to read and, and things like that, too. So lots of cool, very sciencey applications when you look at the the health realm. So we're talking about music like fire. Um, we're talking about all the different places that music is going and we haven't yet talked about fitness. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, fitness is, is such an interesting case because it's, you know, music has been incorporated into uh, commercial fitness practices for quite some time. And just as with education, it's such an effective motivator um, and it really transforms human performance. Um, and, and yet it is, uh, it's been a, it's, it, I mean, it's so interesting. I'm thinking back to the sort of the kerfluffle about Peloton. I mean, maybe it was a, the very serious dispute, excuse me, about Peloton um, and their licensing and they thought they had stuff licensed and it didn't appear to be quite complete. Um, and that I, I think has been one of the biggest stumbling blocks for a lot of fitness startups. Um, so if you follow uh, fitness apps or anything like that, a lot of them have really have trouble putting great music in there. So I think that's a really ripe space for, uh, from speaking from a business perspective for uh, music music industry to, to make much stronger inroads. Um, I'm thinking back to Rumblefish, if you know some of you might recall that company and it's now part of um, HFA, but at, the, at some point they had done a really cool deal that um, I, I thought would get, you know, it was kind of flew under the radar, but they had um, with a sort of fitness company that had videos integrated into their equipment, into the hardware, um, they provided music and licensed music that went along with these videos. So you could imagine you're running in like this beautiful mountain setting instead of a weird smelling gym. Um, it was really, really awesome. But um, so music is long kind of people have been weaving this in. There are licensing models, but it feels like this is this is a space where there needs to be a lot more conversation between the world of, of fitness and, and music. Well, and, and through the uh, social com conversation, I did find people, a couple people recommended uh, looking at feed.fm, which is uh, basically kind of a, it looks to me like a B2B platform for powering music f through other fitness apps. So if you have a fitness app, you can plug into feed.fm and get music that already has, some, I think, some ties to um, relevant curated playlists, but also to BPM and, and the types of exercise you'd be doing and, and so forth. Um, so that looks like a really cool one. Um, and of course, we didn't even talk about, I mean, we mentioned yoga earlier when we were talking about at the workplace, but in fitness as well, yoga and music have gone together for quite a while. And it's interesting if you go to yoga classes to see all the different methods that people use for curating or playing music. And um, I'm sure there's some monetization opportunities there by figuring out <laughs> exactly all the nooks and crannies that this is happening. And, and I think, you know, by adding value, I'm sure lots of instructors or schools would be glad to, to pay for it more than just a, a, a regular listener use of a streaming service. But, 
you know, I've always pictured an app where you could put your yoga routine in and it would like, you know, the pacing of it and it would spit out (laughs) what the right music was for your Shavasana or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. So an Asana by Asana playlist generator. There you go. It probably exists. We'll hear about it. Tweet it to us. Music tectonics. (laughs) Um, You know, Internet of Things is interesting. Tristra, what the heck is this thing you found? (laughs) Speaking of fire, this is another (laughs) recent deal that kind of caught my attention. Um, McCormick Spices uh, launched a grill that has an integrated DJing capacity. So um, my my comment when I shared it with my colleagues was, but is it licensed? And I'm I'm sure I'm sure it's licensed. Um, I hope it's licensed. But we're, it, we're talking about a barbecue. It's grill. a barbecue grill that will also allows you to play your favorite hits and and DJ. I guess while you flip your uh, veggie burgers or whatever you're doing. <laughs> so this was one of the weirdest uses of music I've seen so far. But I don't think I mean it's. It, there always are outliers, but this this sounds to me like you know this could be hinting at a strange new future <laughs> where where we do have oh there was yeah the, well actually I was going to say well one that I didn't even I don't think you and I talked about recently is is it any different than those greeting cards that you open up and they start there playing we go music? there yeah. we go or the sort of the Reader's Digest um you know multi record set where you could like determine what you were having for dinner oh, and what kind of ambiance you wanted and it would help it would help you choose what what side of what record to play oh perfect yeah That's so like the early playlist exactly exactly so these these things are there's nothing new under the sun and yet um being able to sort of uh run your dj set from your actual grill <laughs> does feel like something new yes well and it puts music in a different place in a way i mean sure you could bring your player with you but um you know why not have it in your grill <laughs> i don't know i don't want to be getting all up in your grill about it exactly <laughs> exactly i kind of you know there's some point with the internet of things where you're like do we really need to just have a conversation and stop here everybody because you know maybe i don't need my refrigerator to be able to like play my meditation music or anything like that hey, I, my refrigerator know. has a photo slideshow of my kids on it that's pretty cool uh, <laughs> If it had music with it, that'd be okay. But <laughs> my Sonos is playing in the background. And speaking of Sonos, they issued a lamp with Ikea. There you go. <laughs> I think we may have talked about that on a previous episode. So there is a lamp that plays music. It's good. Yeah. Inside, you have your lamp. Outside, your grill. You're set. That's right. No, you're not. Because what about your plants? So we <laughs> we just came across Midi Sprout, awesome company in LA that comes out of a kind of a DIY record label ethic that is using biofeedback from plants to make music. So we're talking about music is everywhere. This thing you can they have an iPhone version um, and you can with an app, you can attach this device to your iPhone. You attach this um, kind of wire. It's almost like a uh, lie detection test that you attach a to your plant. electrode. Electrode of some sort that gets biofeedback from the plant and then triggers midis, which then impacts or influences musical composition. So we could find plants that, that naturally generate different genres. Maybe we can find a heavy metal, you know, I don't know, what kind of heavy metal plant or, you know, what what is a succulent more of, is, is it more country? Is it more R&B? You know, we got we to find, it, this is a lot to explore. <laughs> Well, here. Yeah, there there is, but you know, also it does connect you to these more natural rhythms that we might not even comprehend or be able to put words to, but there it is. And they it, affect it. us. I mean, if you've ever moved someone from a room full of I mean, even like say a, a you know, you go from a room full of cacti to a room full of of uh, you know, more tropical plants, you may notice something different. Another um, another category that we're not going to explore really in depth 
food and music obviously go together. I don't know what the new applications, apps or platforms or hardware, whatever is there besides the barbecue grill, of course. But, um, you know, one of the comments on, I can't remember this LinkedIn or Facebook, somebody talked about, you know, there's, there's been research that shows how you taste food is different depending on what sounds you're hearing, what music and how you create an auditory experience in a, a restaurant or eating facility of some sort. And I don't, I did stumble across a recent report of uh, a company that claimed they could use AR augmented reality to change the way you taste things. So either they could stimulate a taste experience or they could enhance or shift a taste experience using AR. So maybe I, I would imagine sound is somehow involved in that, but I'm not sure. But uh, yeah. If you're listening to this podcast and you like to think about these things like music like water, music like fire, uh, music is more global than ever, these seismic shifts that we've been talking about, you should connect with me on LinkedIn and Facebook so that when I post something about this, you can add to the conversation. Um, my name's really hard to spell. Dimitri is D-M-I-T-R-I and Vitza is V-I-E-T-Z-E. Hit me up on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, wherever, and let's be friends and let's have this conversation <laughs> obviously we're having fun with this but we also know some of these things are serious issues too and we're not making fun of it when we're having fun with it um, we're just interested in looking stepping back and looking at what are these patterns that are emerging what are these tectonic shifts that are influencing where the music industry is going so if we forgot anything you can hit us up on social media music tectonics is also on twitter facebook and instagram and we are doing a conference October 28th and 29th, 2019 in Los Angeles. Um, and these are the types of concepts we talk about, but we also bring it very practical. There will be sessions about licensing, about getting investment for startups, how to join an accelerator, um, things about you know, how to go global with your, your music, um, the importance of transparency. We'll be talking about the Music Modernization Act. Um, we'll be talking about new marketing tools for record labels and artists. So please come out to Music Tectonics. You can find out about it on musictectonics.com. If you sign up for our newsletter, you get a $50 discount off the badge. The badge is $349. It's going to be a packed day with lots of great stuff, plus some stuff the day before. And um, if you show interest in the Facebook event page we're about to launch a flash sale it's only going to last for about 48 hours so when you listen to this you need to show that you're interested on the facebook event page and that's where we're going to give you a special discount code for an even better discount so tristra this has been fun absolutely music is like fire <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> see tristra said it <laughs> thanks so much for listening to music tectonics uh please hit subscribe on your podcast listening app and spread the word post this share this and we look forward to uh talking to you again soon see you bye you're listening to music tectonics